I appreciate that. So, anyways, well, I better get started. Um, so we've been going over a study on David. Uh, we've titled it uh, a, a Man After God's Own Heart. And so I'm going to start out with another question. And I've decided I think I'm going to try to start out with a question every single time I teach. Because hopefully that will encourage you guys to actually, like, talk. Use your words. Because normally I get a head nod. And eventually you guys are going to get used to a question and then you're going to start speaking out loud. And it's going to be amazing. And I'm going to be excited about that. But has there ever been a time in your life before where you really wanted something and you thought if you got that or maybe you thought if, if this particular thing happened that your life would be much better, that you, you, it would just be great and your life is going to be sweet? Have you, ever had, have you ever had something like that? Okay, see, words are starting to come out. This is good, man. In like a year, you guys are actually going to be talking and that might be bad for me because who knows what you're going to say. But anyways... When I was in high school, this is going to be hard for you guys to believe, but I was not necessarily as cool as you might have thought. I mean, it's true. I, I appreciate you guys pretending to think that I was actually cool. But, whoa, who said I was in high school? It came, it came from over there. That hurt. Ouch. Thank, thank you, Manny. That, that, means a lot, that means a lot to me right now. No, I, you know, I had braces. Um, I was very skinny. Well, listen, I, you get a full package. There's nothing. I'm sorry. Listen, I'm, I'm painting a picture. See, stop. Okay, stop talking. New rule. No more questions. No more talking. I, I was skinny. I had a different hairstyle about every month because I didn't know what to do with it. I was not athletic. Um, I, I didn't have a lot of friends. And so I was, I was very socially awkward. Believe it or not, I didn't like to talk a lot. Things have changed a lot for me. And so if I wanted to be good at something, I had to work my butt off. Now, I had a, a good friend. He's my best friend, Chad. He was the complete opposite. He was good looking. He had the six-pack. Um, he decided he was going to play guitar one time, and he learned guitar in like six months. No, dude, I'm like 36, dude. This dude lives in Ocala. <laughs> Anyways, so he, he's... <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, Chad was good at everything. He decided it wasn't, he was not done playing guitar. Uh, he started playing piano. He did that well. He played drums next. Then he thought, I'll play the bass. Everything he decided he would do, he would be good at. He didn't play basketball, but he'd go play with guys that played basketball in high school, and he'd be just as good as them. And it was kind of frustrating, and I'm not too bitter about it, as you can tell. But the one thing Chad had, he always had a girlfriend. And so when I was in high school, the one thing that I really wanted was a girlfriend. I'm like, man, if I could just have a girlfriend, things would be great. If I could just have a girlfriend, life would be so much better. And so that didn't happen for the first few years of high school. But in my junior year, I finally got a girlfriend. It was great. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I got a girlfriend. This is awesome. This is all I ever hoped for. <laughs> and so at the time, my girlfriend was actually my wife. I see her back there talking. I'm sure that's what she's saying. It was my wife, and it was Casey. And so it was one of the first times we dated. But anyways, <laughs> we were dating. And you know what I realized? Like, having a girlfriend wasn't... As, as, I shouldn't say as great, but it was a little different than I thought. Having a girlfriend, like, you actually had to, like, call them at certain times. You actually have to listen to, to what they're saying. It is actually a lot of work, and for, like, a 16-year-old guy, that was new to me, and so I thought, well, this isn't exactly what it was like, and it, this is kind of hard, and then one day, my future wife broke up with me in high school, and <laughs> yeah, that sucked. That hurt, and you know what, that, that was painful, and I'm like, man, my, my heart was broken, and I was really bummed out, and I, and I realized 
this whole girlfriend thing was not any, it wasn't at all like I thought it was going to be. It kind of was, you know, completely opposite, actually. I mean, it had, don't get me wrong, it had its good, good times, and, but it just wasn't exactly what I thought. It didn't make my life as, as fulfilled as I thought it was going to make that. And so I say all that um, to say that I really wanted a girlfriend, and I thought once I had it, it, my life would be a certain way. I would be happy. It would complete me. But once I got a girlfriend, I realized that, you know what, it, it was not at all what I expected. And so this plays into tonight's story, because last week we saw David had a huge victory. We saw that David, uh, he, he defeated Goliath, and he was a hero. And so we see as we continue th- uh, through 1 Samuel, um, and we're going to be kind of going over chapters 18 through 31. Don't worry, I'm not going to read them all. Um, but we see that David didn't go back to being a shepherd boy. David wasn't going to go back and, and live with his dad. David moved to the palace, and he was going to serve the king. He was going to help Saul when he was angry. He was going to play the, a musical instrument. He was going to calm him down. And then David put him in charge of the army. So things were starting to go really good for David. Um, and, you see <coughs> um, and you see that at one point, you know, David, David was probably kind of thinking he was on top of the world. He went from being a shepherd boy, a relatively nobody, out in the field watching sheep, to, to killing Goliath, being a national hero, serving the king, living in a palace, um, and, and also being in charge of an army. And on top of that, everybody loved him. We see in 1 Samuel 18, 5, that things went really well for David. It says, And David went out uh, whithersoever Saul sent him, and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of all servants. So you know what? Everybody loved Saul, or everybody loved David. There wasn't a single thing in David's life that seemed to be going wrong. And so at this point, David was probably thinking, this is exactly how my life was supposed to be. This is when Samuel anointed me to be the next king. This is what my life should be like. But the thing that we're going to see is that David's expectations were not going to actually be his reality. What he expected his life was going to be is not what he was going to get. And soon, David was going to be running for his life. For the next several years, Saul was going to be trying to kill him. He was going to trade in his palace for caves. He was going to trade in his, his armies and his friends and all the fame for, for absolute obscurity. We're going to see he was alone for a while. And he, you know, he had to make a decision, guys. We're going to see that he had to make a very important decision. His decision was, was he going to follow the Lord or was he going to just give up and quit fighting for the Lord? And so tonight we're going to see you know, that David, David made some tough decisions. And I titled tonight's message, Don't Give Up. Because David could have easily just quit fighting. He could have easily just packed it up. He could have went home. You know, he could have moved to a different country, and he could have hid, but that's not what he did. He trusted the Lord. And so the first thing I want you guys to see tonight, that when you get a victory in your life, the enemy starts to pay attention. And so, like I said, we saw last week that David got a huge victory. He was obedient. He was courageous. He was faithful. He took action. And then uh, he had a victory in his life. And we also saw that if you're willing to do that with the Goliaths in your life, that you can have victory as well. But whenever that happens, you know, you start to think, man, I got victory in my life. This is awesome. You feel closer to the Lord. You feel like you can, you, you can take on anything. You, you're, you're a little bit more bold for the Lord. And you start to realize that pe- the people around you start to notice. And your testimony in the Lord starts to grow. And this is the time when you start to feel safe. This is the time when you start to think, like I said, you can take on anything, you and the Lord. And the thing you have to understand is whenever you're in that situation and after you defeat a giant and you're making influence and, and you're affecting people's lives, Satan starts to pay attention to you. You know, once you decide that you're going to get rid of the sin in your life and you're going you're gonna to deal with your flesh and you're not going to follow the world and you're going to forsake the world, 
and you're going to truly start following, following the Lord, you know what starts to happen? Satan starts to pay attention to you. Then you have a really pr real big problem. So what are you going to do about that? And so we, we see that there's always going to be a battle to, f battle to face. And so I don't say that, guys, to scare you. You know, as I was writing this up, I'm thinking, man, if I tell you guys that you can have victory, and the next week I'm telling you guys that you're always going to have a battle to face, your first thought might be, then, then what's the point in fighting them? If I fight one and I, and I, and I defeat my Goliath and then I'm going to turn around and have to fight another one, what's the point? And so, I, you know, the point is, guys, is that every battle you face brings you closer to the Lord. Every battle you face will be worth it. It'll bring you closer to the Lord, and it'll bring the people around you closer to the Lord. And I don't tell you to scare you. I tell you so you're prepared, so you know what to do. And so, as I was saying, <coughs> you know, David's life gets turned upside down. And we see that in uh, 1 Samuel 18, 6 through 11. And uh, we'll start in verse 6, and it says, And it came to pass, as they came, when David was re returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women came out of the city of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul in tabrets with joy and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth, and, say, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they were ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day and forward. And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house. And David played with his hand as at other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hands. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. And so what we see is, is that David and, and Saul, they go out to war, and when they come back from a victory, there's people singing, uh, there's some women singing, and they make up a song, and they say, you know what, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. In other words, Saul's pretty cool, but David's amazing. I like to think of it this way, Saul's kind of like Ant-Man. I mean, we like Ant-Man. He, he's kind of geeky, I mean, he shrinks, um, but he's not super cool. I mean, if you're into the Marvel Universe, I mean, Ant-Man's just kind of there. You kind of watch it because he's Marvel. But what they're saying is David's like Captain America. I mean, who doesn't like Captain America? Captain America's like, he's huge, he's jacked, he's got superhuman strength, he's a good fighter, I mean, he stands up for what he believes in, he's got a cool outfit and a shield, and so that's kind of how I like to think of it. Saul's Ant-Man. The people were looking at him like, you know what, he's okay, but David's awesome. And so it comes to this point where, you know what, Saul says, you know, I I'm over David. I don't want to be around him. In fact, I, I hate David. And we see that, you know what, he, he has a javelin beside the throne, and David's there playing the harp or whatever instrument, and he chucks the javelin at him. He does this twice, and he tries to kill him. And so we see that David's in trouble. Um, the king is, is after him now. And as you go through chapters 18 through 31, you'll see there's a cat and mouse game going on where Saul tries to kill David, and David has to flee. And so all of a sudden, David's whole life is turned upside down. Everything's changed for David. He's no longer the hero. He's the guy running. And we find David in 1 Samuel 21.1, uh, and we find him. He's all alone. And then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid of the meeting of David. And he said unto him, Why art thou alone, and no man with thee? And so one minute they're singing about David, and the next minute some, the king of Israel is trying to kill him, and he's all alone. You know, the saying, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Well, that's where David is. He, he's fallen pretty far in his life. 
And in verse 22, one, the very next chapter, you see David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. And so he's no longer in the palace. He's living in a cave. And so over the next few chapters, you see that his family comes to him and he, and he protects his family. And then you see that he gets about 600 guys, about 600 misfits that just didn't fit in uh, with Saul and that were kind of running from Saul themselves. And that's who he has. David went from leading armies to leading 600 just motley guys. Now let me ask you something. Do you guys really think that this was the life David thought he was going to live when he killed Goliath? Do you really think that he killed Goliath and he was a national hero that he thought, man, this is, this is how I'm going to live. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run from the king. You know, obeying the Lord's going to get me in a cave, living in caves. Like, I mean, that's not what David thought, guys. But that's where David was. And so, you know, we're, we're not much different than David. You might find yourself in David's shoes someday. You might find yourself fighting a Goliath in your life taking care of a, a major sin in your life and, and starting to f- wholly follow the Lord with all your heart. And then all of a sudden, things would get harder. And you're going to have a choice. Are you going to be like David? Are you going to continue to follow the Lord? Or are you going to give up? I mean, the choice will be yours. Because when you get to that point, and if you're going to follow the Lord, I promise you, you will get to the point where you'll ask the Lord, what's going on? Why, why am I going through this, Lord? And, and you're going to gonna have to choose. You're going to have to choose. Are you going to continue on? Or are you going to give up? But the thing is, when you're in that moment, you have to remember that God has a plan. And I know that, you know, it sounds kind of cliche, but God has a plan. And the thing I want you guys to remember is God's plan is far greater than ours. God says his ways are greater than our ways, his thoughts more than our thoughts. And God's plan, and this is the, the key words here, is if obeyed. God's plan, if obeyed, will reach the most lost people and encourage and edify the most saved people. We just have to believe that's true. We have to believe that whatever God's plan is, that he's going to use us for his glory. And that's what it's all about, high schooler. It's not about living a perfect, great, peaceful life. It's about bringing the Lord glory. I mean, he died on the cross for our sins. I mean, the least we can do is follow him and bring him glory. And so, as we see, David kept his focus on the Lord. And you say, well, I've read through 1 Samuel, and, you know, it's just a lot of David running. How, how do you know that David really trusted the Lord? How do you know that he fully trusted the Lord and that he obeyed the Lord and he knew God was going to come through for him? Well, David wrote about 73 of the chapters in Psalms. And so a lot of the Psalms David wrote when he was in distress and he was running. And there was a lot of the Psalms that he wrote when he was running from Saul. And so I think it's interesting that when, when David was running from Saul and he was running from his life and he had to be scared at this point and he didn't know if Saul was going to attack him, you know, when he was going to attack him. He didn't know what his next day was going to look like. I think it's interesting that in his darkest hours, you know where you find David? You find David in a cave or, or hiding somewhere, and you find him praising the Lord. You find him worshiping the Lord. You find him crying out to God, and he's honest with God. Sometimes you ask him, what the heck's going on? But, it, but he never gives up on God, and he always continues to follow the Lord. And so when you're going through a rough time, let me encourage you, always cry out to God. You know, that, like I said, that sounds kind of cliche, but you know what? A lot of times we start doing things and we just, we just do things on our own. You know, we, we come into a problem and we have to face a saw in our life. And you know what happens? We don't cry out to God. We just try to take care of it on our own. And that never works out. At least it's never worked out for me. If it works out for you, good luck. You know, David wrote Psalms 11. And this was one of the times that he was told, you're going to have to run. You're going to have to flee from Saul because he kills you. And listen to what David says. In verse 1, it says, In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow, and they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privy shoot at the upright in heart. And when he's writing this, listen, he's not, he's not exaggerating. This is what's happening. 
People are shooting at him. People are trying to kill him. He goes on to say, and the foundation be destroyed. What can, what can the righteous do? He said, God, what can I do? He goes on to say, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstones in a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. David says, listen, the Lord knows what Saul's, Saul's doing. The Lord knows what I'm doing. But you know what? He never gave up. You know, he talks about, you know what? I'll trust in the Lord. He knows that at some point the Lord's going to get him through it. And he knows that whatever that looks like, it's going to be the right thing. You know, does this sound like when you read through that, like when I read through that, does it sound like a guy who's forgotten God? No. I mean, I think if I was in his situation, maybe I would have forgotten God at this point. I mean, this was probably one of the lowest times in, in his life. Another uh, psalm David wrote while fleeing Saul is Psalms 31. And it says, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thy ear unto me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock for an house of defense to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the, of the net that they have laid privily for me. For thou art my strength. Into thy hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. And we see that David puts his trust in the Lord in verse 1. In verse 2, David says God is a strong rock. In verse 3, he says that God is a rock and a fortress. In verse 4, he says that God is his strength. So God makes it very part that though he was falling, everything was falling apart around him. He wasn't blaming God. And he was just going to simply trust in the Lord. And that's what we need to do when tough times come. And we also know that David knew that God had a plan, and David was willing to be patient in God's plan. And we see that in chapters 24 and 26 in 1 Samuel, what happens is, is there's two opportunities he had to kill Saul. And we're going to look at the one in 1 Samuel 26, but what's, what's going on is, is that David and another guy were, were, were out and about, and they were getting chased by Saul, and they came upon Saul's camp. And so they looked down, and Saul and all his men were sleeping. Um, they, they were resting or whatever, and so David walked down into the camp, and he actually walked up to Saul. He was close enough to take his spear. And so David could have simply just done what he did with Goliath, pull down his sword and cut his head off. At that very point, he could have done that, and he could have grabbed Saul's head. He could have walked back to the palace. He could have thrown it as he walked in the door, and he could have said, I'm the king now, and it would have been okay. I mean, who would have, who would have really thought, man, David, you shouldn't have done this. I mean, this guy's been trying to kill him for years. But he didn't do that. Why didn't he do that? And, and we'll see in 1 Samuel 6, 8 through 11. Then said Ab Abishah to, da to David, God hath delivered thine enemy into thine hand this day. Now therefore let, let me smite him, I pray thee, with a spear even to the earth at once. And I will not smite him the second time. And David said, Abishah, destroy him not. For who can stretch for forth his hand against the Lord anointed and be guiltless? David said furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him. And his day shall come to die, and he shall descend into battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. But I pray thee, take thou now the spear that is, in, is at the bolster in the cruise of water, and let us go. So in other words, David had a chance to kill Saul. And Saul said, no, the Lord said not to do it. This is God's anointed. And, and because David had a great relationship with the Lord, he knew, I can't kill this guy. He said, he even says, he said, listen, he said, the Lord's going to smite him. 
David knew what was going to happen. David knew he was going to be delivered. And that didn't make sense to his friend. And that's where faith comes in. And so <coughs> David could have simply taken matters into his own, own hands. If he would have done that, if he would have, have, have you know, not waited on God's timing, he could have done it right then and there. And everything would have been done. He wouldn't have had to continue to plea for, for several more years. It would have all been done right then and there. And we're all faced with different circumstances in your life, guys. You know, you know, maybe you're not getting chased by someone who's trying to kill you. But let's face it, we have circumstances in our life where we have to make a decision. Are we going to trust the Lord? Are we going to continue to follow the Lord? Or are we going to take matters into our hand, own hands, like I said before? And so, listen, there's going to be times where it's going to seem maybe, maybe I can justify doing this. Maybe I can justify taking matters into my own hands. But we have to ask ourselves, is that what, is that what the Lord really wants us to do? And if you do that, God's not going to get the glory. Because like I said before, it's all about God and his glory. And in those moments, whenever you're having a hard time and you're fighting the Saul in your life or, or you just feel like you, you don't know what to do, you need to do what David did. You need to cry out to him and you need, need to do what Micah 7, 7 says. It says, therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My trust will hear me. And this isn't the funnest thing to say, but sometimes we just need to wait. You know, it's interesting. God talks a lot about waiting in the Bible, and a lot of the times he talks about it, it's in Psalms. It's when David's writing and saying, you need to wait. The guy who probably shouldn't have been waiting is, is the guy who's telling us that we need to wait. And guys, let me encourage you. When you go through a tough time, just stop. Wait. Call out to the Lord. Do what David did in the caves. Cry out to him and ask him, God, what do you want me to do? What's the best thing to do? Because sometimes, whenever you take matters into your own hands, it's, it's not the best thing to do. And it's not going to work out right. And God's not going to get the glory. So guys, let me just encourage you. Just be patient and wait. And there's another thing we see through uh, 1 Samuel 18, uh, chapters 18 through 31. And that is, David had an authentic friend. And so authentic means real, not false, and genuine. That means that David had a friend he trusted David didn't have to worry about this friend betraying him. And the interesting thing about this is that his friend would, would have been a very unlikely best friend. His friend was named Jonathan. Jonathan was Saul's son. Sa Jonathan, more importantly, was Saul's oldest son. Jonathan was supposed to be the next in line to be king of Israel. And, you know, you would think that once Jonathan figured it out, like, hey, man, David's going to be in charge, you'd think that he would hate David, but he didn't. Jonathan was a smart guy. Jonathan knew that God had anointed David and Jonathan decided that he was going to follow the Lord and trust the Lord and obey what the Lord had, had planned than take matters into his own hand. And Jonathan is a great example of what a friend should look like. We see that Jonathan loved David more than he loved himself. And so what you can learn through Jonathan is a good friend will put you before them. A good friend will make it a priority to help you when you need it. A good friend does not get jealous when good things happen to you, and they don't abandon you whenever bad things start to happen. They're not going to bail on you. A good friend of you tells you the truth no matter what the situation, and more importantly, a good friend will never betray you. A really good friend will always be there for you no matter what. And so I've had a lot of friends in my 36 years of life, and to be honest with you, I've, I've not come across too many Jonathans. There hasn't been too many Jonathans in my life. <coughs> And what I found out is most, uh, most people, and, and I've been guilty of this too, most people are just selfish. Most people look at a friendship and think, what can I get from that friendship? And so whenever the tough times come, they, they, they kind of bail on you. And you might be thinking, well, that, that's kind of harsh. But let me just warn you, as you grow up, you're going to realize that it, it is kind of harsh, but it's true. 
you know, guys, you need to be praying right now. And, and maybe you have this, but you need to be praying for a Jonathan. You need to be praying for someone who's going to fit the qualities that we're going to talk about. Because with a Jonathan in life, you know, God never intended for us to go through life alone. You know, you, you need a Jonathan. And, and I'm married, so listen, I, I love my wife, and my wife is a great companion. But sometimes there's a thing that my friends will tell me that I'll listen to more than my wife. Sometimes, and I'm going to be in trouble for saying this, sometimes my wife can be kind of like your parents. And my wife, <laughs> and listen, fellas, I know you won't agree with me, but deep down, you're think, you know I'm right. Sometimes your wife is kind of like your parents, and they'll tell you something, and you know they're right, but you're like, no, I don't, I don't necessarily want to listen to that. I'm not going to do that. But then your good friend tells you that, and you're like, oh, yeah, you're right, man. And for some reason, you'll listen to your friend. It's the truth. And you guys are laughing, but you do it with your parents all the time. And so I just happened to say it in front of my wife, and we'll be in a lot more trouble than you guys would be in. And so you guys need to be looking for a Jonathan, someone who will be able to walk, walk with you, help encourage you. And more importantly, guys, you guys need to be, become a Jonathan to somebody. You guys need to be someone who, who someone can trust and someone can count on and someone can be pointed to the Lord. And so like I said, man, Jonathan had every right to hate, hate David. He was going to take his place. Jonathan should have been the king. Let's face it, if I was going to be the king and all of a sudden I find out, well, the Lord has different plans, I'm going to be a little upset about it. But Jonathan wasn't. We see in 1 Samuel what, what Jonathan was like towards David. In 1 Samuel 18, 1-4, it says, And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant, because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David, and his garments, even his sword, into his bow, into his girdle. And you see that Jonathan and David became best friends. And more importantly, by, by Jonathan taking off his robe and giving him his, his sword and his bow, Jonathan was telling David, all I have is yours, even the throne. He said, no matter what happens, I'm going to be your friend to the end. You can have the throne because it's God's will. And that's the kind of friend Jonathan was. In fact, you can see through the rest of um, <coughs> 1 Samuel that Jonathan stood up for, for, um, for David in front of Saul. And, and Saul got angry with him. And then in, in, in 1 Samuel 20, Jonathan and David come up with a plan, and Jonathan helps David escape Saul. And, and Saul gets so angry that he chucks a javelin at him and tries to kill his, his own son. But he didn't let that stop him. Jonathan stood up for David because it was the right thing to do. Jonathan was the type of friend that you wanted on your side. Do you have that friend? Proverbs 17:7 says, A friend loveth at all time, and a brother is born for adversity. And so Jonathan loved David at all times no matter what it cost him. And it, and it did cost him a lot, guys. But he loved him no matter what. And the problem, like I said earlier, with most friendships is that they are selfish. Both sides are out to get what they want for each other. And it's not to edify the other person. It's, it's what can I get from this friendship? And whenever they're done from that friendship, they move on. They don't really care about the other person. And there's no really actual love. And listen, I know we're in, we're, we're in 2019 and we talk about two guys or two girls loving each other. That's not what it means. You can have a friend, as we're going to see, that's closer than a brother. You can have a friend who loves you so much that he's going to stick by you no matter what. And that's the kind of friends you need. And so, listen, guys, some of you guys are thinking right now, I, I have that friend that sticks by you. Let me ask you this. Are you sure? Are you sure you have that friend? Do you really have that friend? Because, listen, like I said, I, I've had a lot of friends in my life. I've had a lot of friends, and not all of them have stuck by me. In fact, most of them haven't. And what I learned in life is that 
there was a period of time in my life where I was kind of just doing what I wanted to do. I wasn't following the Lord. I decided that I would take matters into my own hands, and I did, and it ended poorly for me, and this is not the time to talk about that. But when I decided that I was going to follow the Lord, I had a lot of friends. I, mean, I had a friend I hung out with every single day, like literally every single day, lived right down the road from my house. When I started to follow the Lord again, and when I started to come to church, and I started to do things like that, you know what happened? All my friends kind of disappeared. Like, I was naive enough to think that these friends over here would hang out with me and still be my friends, and I'd lead them all to the Lord. I, d I don't know why. You know, I, I had just spent the last two years of my life, like, just completely being a hor horrible testimony. But I thought they would follow me, but none of them did. You know why? Because they really didn't care about me. They really didn't. I mean, let's just be honest. They cared about me because I was doing what they wanted to do. And whenever I left, they just continued to move on. And so all of a sudden, I went from having a bunch of friends to not having very many friends of all, at all. Now, that's my own fault. I made my own choices, and I don't want you to feel bad for me. But I just say all that to say, be careful who your friends are. Make sure you know who your friends are. You've got to right pick the right friends. I mean, it's one of the most important things that you'll do, really. We also see that Jonathan encouraged David in his relationship with the Lord. So listen, you want a loyal friend, but... You, that loyal friend also has to be willing to uh, encourage you in the Lord. Um, in 1 Samuel 22, 15 through 18, we see that David and Jonathan meet one last time. This is the last time they're ever going to hang out. This is the last time that Do Jonathan will ever see David. The next time you see Jonathan in the Bible, he's getting killed by the Philistines. And so what, what happens in their last meeting? And it's in verse 15 says, And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in, in, a, in a wood. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the wood and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee. And that also Saul, my father, knoweth. And they too made a covenant before the Lord, and David abode in the, in the wood, and Jonathan went to his house. So we see that David, er, David and Jonathan meet, and Jonathan goes to encourage him. But not only that, he goes to strengthen his hand in the Lord. Listen, guys, David, David knew God had a plan. And there's a lot of times in life where you're going to be following the Lord and you're going to know God has a plan. But you know what? When you go through hard times, it doesn't make it any easier. You know, sometimes you're, you're just lonely. Sometimes you're just frustrated. Sometimes life can just suck. And I know that David knew he, that God had a plan, but I'm sure there were times where he was frustrated and scared. And, and I say that to say no matter how strong our walk with the Lord is, it's always easier when we, when we don't have to walk it alone. It's always easier when there's a Jonathan with us who will come no matter what. Jonathan risked his life to come see David. And, and that, that would have meant the world to David. And not only that, he encouraged him in the Lord. And so whenever you have a good friend, you're never alone. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says, There are two better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. And so this was who Jonathan was. Jonathan was the friend that helped pick his friend up whenever he was afraid. This was the friend that stood up for him when it could have cost him his life. And so a completely selfless friend risked his own life to strengthen a friend. And that's what you see here, guys. And so, you know, once again, do you have that friend? Let's be honest for just a second. And I don't want you to answer this question. I don't want shh, Okay. Um, is, there, <laughs> is there any friend that you, you, would, you would say that would, like, risk their life for you? Or were there any friend that you would say, man, no matter what I go through, that friend's going to be with me? And like I said, don't answer that because some of you are sitting by your friends. And if the answer to that question is no, you're going to have some explaining to do. I like I'm going to have some explaining to do with my wife. 
But honestly, who's your friends? Like, who's your friends, guys? When you go to school, who's your friends? Are they a friend like Jonathan? Are they a friend who's actually going to encourage you? And so, you know, for, for a long time, I prayed for friends that would be like a Jonathan. And, and it took a while, but God gave me some friends that, that are just like Jonathan. And one of my friends like that is Andy. Andy Ireland, we all know Andy, sound guy Andy, big Andy. We have many nicknames for him. But um, An- Andy's that friend. He's always there to help me. Like, no matter what, Andy's there to help me. Like, Andy will let me throw my life up uh, all over him and just explain to him what's going on in my life. And then the crazy thing is, Andy will call me a few days later and ask me how I'm doing. I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? You doing good? I mean, you know, I've been praying for you. And that means the world to me. But you know what else Andy does? Andy tells me whenever I'm doing something wrong. When I do something stupid or he thinks that I should be doing something different, he tells me. Now listen, that sounds great. And that sounds very spiritual. But let's be honest. Whenever you're doing something wrong and you should be doing something different and that person tells you, you don't really want to hear it sometimes, do you? I don't. But you know what Andy does? He tells me anyways. Because he knows he's not just going to let me go through life and not encourage me and strengthen me in the Lord. And sometimes strengthen me in the Lord is kicking me in the butt and saying, listen, dude, this is what God's word said and this is what you should do. And so, guys, you have to have that friend like Andy. You have to have that friend who's willing to tell you the tough thing. You have to have that friend that whenever you start doing something stupid, and listen, I do some stupid things, you have to have that friend who comes along beside you and says, hey, maybe you should do it this way. And he always does it grace, like gracefully. I, it's amazing. I don't do it so well. I feel bad for Andy. I, I'm kind of blunt. <laughs> I just kind of say things. But Andy, Andy has this way of just saying it. But you know what? He, he always gets to the point. And he's always there for me. And you know what? Andy has never led me astray. And he's always encouraged me. And over the last several years, Andy has picked me up over and over and over again. He's been my Jonathan. Let me ask you this. Who, who's your Jonathan, guys? I've asked it before. I'll, I'll ask you again. I mean, who's your Jonathan? Who's the person that's going to encourage you in the Lord? Who's the person that's going to fight with you? Who's the person when you know no matter what happens, you can call that person, they're going to be there. You know, Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Who's that friend who's going to tell you what you need to hear? It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Listen, sometimes a friend can say something that hurts. But if he's trying to encourage you and lead you down the right path, you know what? They're faithful and they're encouraging. And if you have a friend who just tells you what you want to hear, or you have a friend who just tells you something just because he wants you to keep doing the things that you know you shouldn't be doing with them, you know what? It's what the rest of this verse says. It says, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You just have a deceitful friend. So do you have a friend like Jonathan that's willing to tell you and willing to call you out and willing to encourage you in the Lord to do the right things in life? Jonathan was that friend to David. He was a friend like Proverbs 18, 24 describes. It says, A man that hath friend must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And so I have an older brother, and so many of you have an older brother or an older sibling. And the one thing about my older brother is that we're always very honest with each, with each other. It doesn't go as well normally that whenever me and Aunt Andy are honest with each other, we kind of argue because he's my brother. But the one thing about my brother is I can't get rid of him. He's my brother. Seriously, he's always there. I mean, no matter where I go, he's still my brother. And there is a friend who can be like that. There's a friend that who can be closer than a brother. And no matter where you go in life, no matter what you do in life, he'll still be there for you or she'll still be there for you guys. And so you, I just want to encourage you guys you guys have to find that person. You know, some of you guys have friends and you hang out with them all the time and you know that what you do with those friends, you shouldn't be doing with them. You know that what you do with those friends doesn't glorify the Lord and it's certainly not helping you out in life. 
And you know what? You've got to ask yourself, are those the friends you really want to be with? You know, your parents have probably told you this, and me and Kale have said this before. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. What's your future look like? What's your future going to look like if you keep hanging out with your friends that you're hanging out with now? You know, I, I'm going to be honest. My future looks pretty good hanging out with guys like Andy because guys like Andy are going to keep me on the right path. Guys like Andy are going to keep me heading down the road of ministry, and whenever I do something stupid, they're, they're not going to let me mess up. Whenever I fall, like Ecclesiastes said, they're going to pick me up. And whenever Andy and my other close friends fall, I'm going to pick them up. That's how it should work. Be careful because what's, what could happen, guys, is you could fall, and if you don't have a guy like Jonathan, guess what's going to happen? There's not going to be anybody there to pick you up. And so as we conclude tonight, we saw that David had, had many battles to face. Uh, but we saw that he continued to be faithful to the Lord. We continued that he trusted in God's plan. In 2 Samuel, Saul dies and David finally gets to be anointed king. Now listen, I'm sure it's not how David had planned it, but God, God didn't lie to him. God was true. And let me ask you this. Had David taken matters into his own hand, had David ran away, you know, maybe David would have killed Saul or maybe he just ran away. Maybe he ran to a different country and said, this isn't worth it. What do you think the results would have been? Like who, who would have been the next king? Who would have been the next king of Israel that God had chosen? You know, who would have wrote in all the Psalms in your Bible? You know, whenever you're down or, or whenever you're struggling, you can go to Psalms and you can read stories about a guy who was faithful and they can encourage you. Listen, if you're struggling, go read Psalms 11 and go read all of Psalms 31 and you'll be encouraged. Had David not trusted the Lord, had David not followed his plans, he, w he wouldn't have written those Psalms. So our choices ha have consequences, guys. So let me ask you this. Are you willing to, to fight the fights that, that God's going to put in front of you? Are you willing to fight those battles? Because last week we saw that, that the battle is the Lord's. And are you willing to let him fight? And so we also talked about what a good friend looks like. We talked about Jonathan. What's your friends look like? Are they friends that truly care about you and point you to the Lord? Or are they friends who take you away from the Lord? No, I don't think I have to explain much about that one. Do you find yourself growing in your walk with the Lord and, encourage, and are you encouraged with your friends? Or is there just a bunch of drama surrounding you and your friends? Do you find your friend, uh, friends tell you what you need to hear or are they just a bunch of yes men and they tell you what, you, what they want you, you know, what they think you want to hear? Do you have a good Jonathan in, in your life? And maybe you're here tonight and if you were just honest, you would say, no, I don't. The friends I have, they suck. They're leading me down the wrong path and they're, they're going to take me somewhere. You know, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Well, some of you right now, your future doesn't look too bright with your friends. Tonight's the night you can change that. And that's going to be hard. That's going to be hard. I know. I've, I've been there. I've had to make some changes in my life, and I've lost a lot of good friends. I mean, sorry, good friends in air quote there. I've lost friends. I thought they were good friends, but they really weren't. And I, and I know that can be hard. And I know there might be times that you might feel lonely if you decide that you're going to just go all in for God, and I'm going I'm to have to separate myself from some of my friends. I know that can be hard. I really do. But it's worth it. Because if you cry out to God and you ask him to send you a Jonathan— you know what's going to happen? He's going to send you a Jonathan. It may not be immediately, but he will send you one. He might send you a few. And so let me encourage you guys. Some of you guys, I know there's someone here sitting there like, man, I shouldn't be hanging out with this guy. Names are popping into your head. That's not me. I don't know who you, most of your friends are. That's God. And maybe it's time, you know, while we're getting ready to sing and while, while I'm getting ready to pray, maybe, maybe you've got to make a decision that you're, you're going to start making new friends. And you're going to actually, maybe, here's a crazy thing, be a Jonathan to somebody else. Maybe you're going to start following the Lord, and maybe you're going to trust the Lord. No matter what comes in front of you, 
and you're going to help your friend that you, you live life with, that you're going to be the Jonathan that they need. Everybody needs a Jonathan. I mean, hopefully, I mean, maybe Andy's out there thinking, well, that's great. I'm his Jonathan, but he, he sucks. I don't know. I don't think he is, but it could happen. <laughs> I don't think he is. He's not in here, so I don't know what he's saying. But, I mean, listen, you, you, you can be a Jonathan to someone. Everybody needs a good friend, guys. And so as, as we wrap up, and I'm going to get ready to pray, um, I just want you guys to consider, are you ready to fight the battles that are in front of you? Because you're going to follow the Lord. They're going to keep coming, but they're worth it. And who are your friends? Who are your friends, guys? And I'm going to wrap up and pray, and we'll be done. Uh, dear God, uh, just thank you for examples in your word like David. Uh, thank you for, for guys who, no matter how crazy their life is, no matter how hard their life is, they just decided that no matter what, they're going to follow you. Thank you for examples of Jonathan, who, through whom most people, they would have just, uh, they would have betrayed David. They want to follow God's plan, Lord. I pray tonight that there's people in here that they know that the friends that they have right now, they're, they're not good friends, and they're going to lead them to destruction. Lord, I pray that they make the change to start fighting the battle, start fighting your fight and glorifying you. I pray they, they take this opportunity to just separate themselves from their friends and start finding real friends, finding friends who will encourage them in you, uh, find friends who will help them, um, fight, fight the fight that you've called us to fight, Lord. I just thank you for your word. Thank you for all you do for us. Amen.